0: Welcome to the People of the Way podcast, which starts a conversation for those who walk in the way of Jesus and want to help their children to walk in the way of Jesus. The episodes of which this is the first will be focused on virtues of Christ, attributes of his that he desires to put into us and into our children. Growing and getting into these virtues is brought about by various spiritual disciplines, which kind of put us in a place where The Holy Spirit can put those attributes of the Lord inside of us. And all of this happens in a personal and a family way of life that keeps us focusing on living in, by, and through Jesus.
1: So I'd like to introduce the hosts of this podcast. First, we have Father Len Cowan, who is an Anglican priest and the co-founder of the Abbey of the Way. Which is a home and ministry of prayer and spiritual formation for leadership development. And you can visit them on the web at abbeyoftheway.us. Len is the husband of Hallie, who is the other co-founder of the Abbey of the Way. And he's the father of Betsy and also of me. Uh, my name the is other Sarah. Host. Yes. My name is Sarah Cowan Johnson. And I'm the executive pastor of Sanctuary Church, which is an evangelical covenant church in Providence, Rhode Island. Sanctuary is one church made up of three congregations and a movement of missions that we call Outposts, seeking the renewal of our neighborhood, city, and world. So one of the the reasons that we decided to do this podcast together was that we have some experience in the area of raising children in (laughs) Christ, one of us doing the raising and one of us. Uh, being raised, and so, when I think about my childhood growing up in the Cowan family and being raised in Christ, um, I think of that as laying just an incredible foundation for the eventual adult decision of faith that I made um, in my late teens um, but one of one of the things that I have reflected on that was really i i think was very um, catalytic for my own faith development was the way that our family culture um, our Spiritual culture reflected what I would call a three stream approach to um, spirituality. That uh, mom and dad um, were both, were all three. Uh, they had a charismatic stream, they were interested in the things of the spirit. Uh, we, you know, understood speaking in tongues and healing and even demonic deliverance as very normal parts of the Christian life. There was also an evangelical stream in the sense that we really um, upheld the authority of Scripture, believed the Bible and its teachings, and had a had an um, emphasis on witness. And then also a sacramental stream. We grew up in the Episcopal church, and I came to really appreciate um, the sacraments and the traditions and the liturgy of this of the sacramental stream of the church. So, I think that that actually provided kind of a rich and unique foundation for me as a child that kind of bloomed into my adult faith. Hmm.
0: And, you know, we consider, Hallie and I, all of that development in both Sarah and our other daughter, Betsy, to be really a miraculous kind of thing, (laughs) a gift of God, because neither of us grew up in, in really explicitly Christian families. One of our families were regular churchgoers, but just wasn't part of how we did things. So we came into this just kind of not knowing what we were supposed to do. Um, but we really, I, I suppose the thing that somehow we got from somebody, and most of what we learned came from the somebodies around us who were kind of inputting into our life. That's really important. But the idea that, that we wanted our children to grow up in every way into Christ and to become more and more like Jesus, that that was kind of, there wasn't anything that was more important, that we would do our part, And then whatever they decided to do was their decision, their responsibility, and we trusted all of that uh, to God. Um, So I just want to just say that there is something to the power of intention, Mm -hmm. uh, of just sort of uh, operating in that way, and intentionally focusing on Jesus, which is what this podcast is going to be looking at, is how does Jesus manifest himself in our personal lives and in our children in this concept of virtues, which actually really does come out of the Catholic tradition more perhaps than others, Uh, but that sense of these attributes of God himself that he desires to place into us as part of this Jesus package. And so we're going to be looking at 12 of them over the course of 12 months, one for every month. Uh, There are certain virtues that are kind of the up virtues that have to do with our relationship up with God, things like forgiveness. Things like acceptance, both of those being received as well as given out to others. Confidence, confidence in oneself that comes from confidence in God. And being empowered to be a person who can make decisions but make decisions on the basis of the power of God in them. There are four disciplines that have to do with the with kind of thing, but the inward dimension, so we sort of talk about that as being within. That has to do with being engaged in relationships. That's a virtue of being a relational person. Being restful, being able to reflect on your life, and being able to render, which is a fancy Bible word for giving, being able to be a giving person. And then the outward disciplines, having to do with compassion uh, with curiosity and conviction that are together, having clear convictions about truth that come out of the scriptures, um, but also being curious about what's out there, what's in the word of God, what's in the world that God's created. Confession, which is not so much confessing sin as just confessing that we need Christ, we need Jesus, we need his people, we are really desperate, and ultimately resulting in contentment. So this is the unique thing, I think, about this, this particular podcast is we're intentionally focusing on how can some of these attributes of Jesus uh, be manifested in us and our kids.
1: Hmm. So uh, one of the things that I think we wanna just talk about right at the very beginning, because uh, we cannot engage this uh, journey of spiritual formation and intentionally discipling our kids without thinking about this, um, is that the church has never been in a moment quite like this before in the history of the church. So up until about 20 years ago, there really were only two different kinds of culture in the world as they related to the gospel. There were pre-Christian cultures, and then there were what we called sort of Christendom. Um, But in the last 20 years, there's been an emergence of a third kind of culture that we've literally never seen before, and that is the emergence of post-Christian culture. And what is unique about post-Christian culture is that it's in some ways you could say that it has been inoculated to the gospel, as if the gospel were a very good disease, um, but they've been given a vaccine. And so the culture that we're living in understands enough of the gospel to protect and defend itself from from the gospel, and yet it has never actually experienced the real thing. That is sort of the the feature of a vaccine. It's a weakened virus. And so, you know, the post-Christian world understands some of the gospel, but has never actually experienced it.
0: Somebody, uh, a really wise guy, a uh, well, wise man um, named Mark Sayers, says that the post-Christian world, they, they want all the values of the kingdom, mm-hmm. but they don't want the king. Yes. So that's, the, that's yes. the difference.
1: Yes. And so what that means when we think about our own formation, but especially I think when we think about the spiritual formation of our children is that we are getting absolutely no tailwinds or help from the culture that we're raising them in. So, for example, the Christian sexual ethic, at one point in time, whether or not people followed that was at least seen as a moral way of life. And now that is seen actually as an immoral way to live. And so, uh, this is the culture that our children are growing up in, and that culture is discipling our children. And so, when we talk about spiritual formation of children, in many ways it's helpful to talk about it like counterformation. We are actually undoing and resetting and counterforming our children because the world has had such a powerful discipling influence on them. And so, that's really important. Um, so, the other thing that is really helpful when we think about the um discipleship of children is to think about um a a model that John Westerhoff uh, came up with about the stages of children's faith development. So not all children are the same. we know that you know just in how how they learn and how they grow. And the same is true about their faith development. Um, There are several stages that they go through. And so John Westerhoff's model, I think, is incredibly helpful when we start to think about how we disciple our kids. And so just really briefly, he um, outlines four stages of spiritual development in children. The first is the experiential stage. And this is the stage from about zero to six where kids learn by doing. And so they learn by mimicking and copying you and doing what you do. So You sing, I sing. You love God, I can love God. So the experiential stage is really about doing.
0: Also that sense that the experiential stage for a child is really all about the child. They're not even yet, in some cases early on, not even able necessarily to distinguish anything as being distinct from them. So it has to be experience-based.
1: Yes. And then... um, Moving into uh, the affiliative stage, which comes around age seven, it's all a little fluid, but age seven to, you know, the preteen years, this is a stage where kids learn by belonging. They want to be part of a group. And so in terms of their faith development, they believe because we believe, whether that's the family, it, it then shifts at some point to maybe their peers. And, um, but they believe because they are part of a tribe and a group that believes. From there, entering into the teen years, um, the the third stage is the, the searching stage where uh, children learn by questioning. And this is a really important spiritual stage. and John Westerhoff's thesis is that the American Church has really truncated our discipleship by stopping at the affiliative stage and not maybe allowing children to enter the searching stage because it's very threatening to both parents and the church um, to have to allow our children to express doubts and frustrations and confusion. But if the affiliative stage is the end of their development, when they leave their primary faith community, usually when they enter college, If their faith is, I believe because we believe, and then their primary faith community, they are separate from that. When they go off to college, it's no wonder that they many times uh, don't know how to follow Jesus as an adult in college. So going through that searching stage is really significant. And then that leads finally to an owned faith as an adult, which is a fully mature adult faith.
0: Right, and that fully mature adult faith has its own stages of development. And again, there's whole sections of the church that perhaps haven't really taken taken uh, note of that. Uh, We're not going to get into that in this podcast, but if you're interested, you can read a really wonderful book called The Critical Journey by Janet Hagberg, which details, in her case, six stages of faith. That also includes that kind of searching phase, that kind of difficult phase, what she calls the wall, where you're not really sure what you believe, but it's an opportunity for you to go even deeper deeper. Uh, than what you had uh, as you emerged from your childhood. So our desire is to be involved with our children as long as we have them, to encourage them uh, to develop this life of Jesus as they walk through uh, these various stages, as they happen to come up and again, each child is different and each uh, path uh, is different, but um, our job is to be there, to be encouragers, and to be praying that the life of Jesus would be manifest. Now one other thing that we're using as a backdrop for this is that in the New Testament Christians call themselves the way in the book of Acts. And uh, uh, perhaps you're not aware of that, but if you look in the book of Acts in various uh, chapters, chapter 18, chapter uh, 24, you'll see uh, that they talk about how they walk in the way of the Lord and identify themselves as the way. Um, and it was only later that they came to be called Christians, and that was a term that was applied to them. But this was the term that they identified, and it set them apart both from the Jewish and the Roman culture of their day as they intently decided to be followers of Jesus, in who is himself the Way. Well, in today's world, there's a lot of confusion about what it means to be a Christian. Uh, we still have a kind of a cultural Christendom that we are now leaving behind, And so there's a lot of uh, uncertainty about what it means to be followers of Jesus. So uh, many people are beginning to pick up this kind of thing that happened uh, both at the beginning of the church and through various times in church history when this similar confusion developed when people began to uh, adopt intentional practices, ways of life by which God could form them and their children in Christ. So we'd really like to invite you to join us on this journey of learning how to become people of the way, the way who is Jesus, and how to help our children to do the same with us as well. So this monthly podcast, which you can find on iTunes and Google Play or you can visit peopleoftheway.org, will be focusing on one virtue a month and related personal family disciplines for each stage of development through which the Holy Spirit can bring in that virtue in developing a complete way of living in Christ.
1: We're also going to um, continue the conversation on Facebook in a private Facebook group called The People of the Way. So if you'd like to join that group, um, we will be sharing ideas and suggestions, talking about the podcast, um, fielding questions, asking questions, sharing our struggles, and basically just creating a community of people who are committed to this way of life and to raising our children in this way of life.
0: Now, we're hoping that this podcast is going to be brief, and we've taken probably (laughs) almost half of the time for this one to thoroughly introduce the the subject to you. But this month's content is going to focus... Really on the cultural content that's operating in the last month of this year, 2019, and most every last month of the year since the mid-20th century, when it seems as if everything uh, in the culture rides on what gets done Mm -hmm. as we end each year. So here we are in the last month of 2019, December, and there's this kind of hurry-up mentality as if we have to kind of get stuff done, whether it be in business or in academics or in economics. Uh, There's this kind of use it or lose it posture that we develop, this kind of get it done now. So there's sort of this frenzied kind of feeling to December. And of course, that's exacerbated by this pre-Christmas insanity, pre-holiday kind of deal that begins now right after Halloween and runs all the way through December. But it just gets fever pitch uh, in the December months and it calls forth discontent in us, that somehow we need to end the year by rewarding ourselves with stuff. And our economy is now dependent upon this. Businesses depend upon what happens during December. So we better get out there and buy a whole bootleg of stuff in order that you know, we don't tank uh, as an economy. So in direct kind of challenge to this is a virtue uh, that was manifest in the life of Jesus. It's the virtue of contentment. Contentment, one of the four outward virtues an attribute of Jesus that he desires to see present in us and in our children, even during this particular season when everything in Western culture encourages discontent, the wanting of more and more. Now, contentment is literally an emotional or mental state of satisfaction drawn from being at ease in one's situation, whether in body, mind, or spirit. Contentment could involve having accepted one's situation, could be described as a form of happiness, But for us who are in Christ, our contentment is found in God who reassures us of his favor and his presence and his provision no matter what our circumstances. Sort of like what the prophet Habakkuk said when he said, Though the fig tree doesn't bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in God my Savior. Jesus really was the prime example of contentment as he went through these 30 silent years when he apparently was just an ordinary working stiff in the town of of Nazareth and in in his life with the disciples which grew to be more and more a life of suffering and challenge and then death. St. Paul speaks of this virtue when he says in Philippians 4, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, I know what it is to have plenty, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. He also says to Timothy, Godliness with contentment is great gain. And then this very familiar quote, we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Now, some examples of contentment are things like a baby nursing, you know, you kind of look, wow, really content, mm-hmm. or a toddler nestling, nestling in the arms of mom or dad, a child playing, an adolescent having good relationships and friends and just kind of being out there and hanging, or a young adult anticipating a bright future but not kind of, you know, going for going for the gold, you know, mm-hmm. just this sense of of these people have this kind of contentment. Uh, within them. So what does it mean for us today in our culture and in this month to be people of contentment and to raise up children of contentment? What are the aspects of a way of life uh, that we can propose for our children and as families in which the Holy Spirit can develop that virtue in us and in our children and grandchildren?
1: That's great. Yeah, so uh, I'm gonna share some ideas for some practices and spiritual disciplines that we can do, particularly in this last month of the year. And then dad's going to share some additional um, sort of general thoughts about cultivating contentment um, in our children. So I'm just going to go by stage. So for the experiential stage, which again is little guys, so zero to six-ish, who learn by doing, I think that one of the best ways that we can cultivate uh, contentment in December is by observing Advent as a family. Advent is a season that um, really the the uh, sacramental stream of the church gets right. I think. Um, Advent is a uh, the four weeks leading up to Christmas. It's not to prepare for Christmas. It's not to celebrate Christmas for four Better. weeks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. um, a season where we identify with Israel's longing for the Messiah and we remember that we're still waiting for Jesus to return. And so Advent is a a season of waiting, longing, and anticipation. Mm. And it actually that cuts directly against that consumerism, um, kind of greed-driven busyness as we remember our need for God, (laughs) we remember Israel's need for God, we focus on the gift of the Messiah and not the kind of craziness of presence and whatever. So I think for little kids, learning how to um, observe Advent with very practical uh tangible kind of things like an advent wreath Um, so my family we light an advent wreath at dinner every night and we do a very simple family devotional that i wrote and we'll link that on the website great um but i think the traditions of lighting the candles every night and also maybe using an advent calendar where they open up one window every day. So they may not, these little guys may not fully understand all the spiritual implications and theological implications of the season, but they will learn the rhythms in the family and the practices of advent, which will kind of fuel them for greater understanding as they grow older. And that leads us into the affiliative stage. So um, I have one son in this stage, and um, this is when they begin in my experience, not to just sort of observe Advent, but they begin to really understand it. They can understand the scripture. They can join in the family readings. Um, And I think when we're talking about contentment, um, they can begin to understand the family traditions around gift giving, um, how we give and receive gifts, when, um, you know, do do we just continue to hoard things or do we give away things as we receive new items into the home the the way that our family handles gifts things uh spending these children are starting to understand that as they participate i think that's in the a family. great idea
0: that you invite your your child at this stage into that conversation yeah. rather than simply this kind of idea that there's this secret kind of gift mm-hmm. machine that's mm-hmm. operating and the whole Santa thing, you know, whatever you choose to do with that, we in our family, we just ignored it because the culture pushed it so far, we just didn't even go there. But, but just inviting your kids into the reality that gift giving has a limit, yeah. uh, and that it's meant to be a, a blessing, but not this yeah. kind of, you know, a bomb of bounty that kind of blasts them one day of the of the year.
1: Yes, and I think uh, again, regardless of what you think about Santa or how you do that in your home, I do think. Having the ability to know who gifts come from mm-hmm. produces gratitude, and yeah, you, you know, that is important. So, I want my kids to know this gift came from me, yeah. <laughs> and um, I think that's really important. Yeah, good, good. Um, uh, one other idea around um, how the family celebrates Advent and how the family celebrates Christmas is to think about when do you actually start, for example, Playing Santa Christmas songs. In our family growing up, we really had, I mean, this is just a, this is, you know, one example, but um, in my recollection, we did not play Christmas music until Christmas. And that was, that was something that really shaped my understanding of Advent. And so I think for children in the affiliative stage, they can begin to understand in our home, we do not play Jingle Bells until Christmas um, because we celebrate Advent. And I think that all of, all of the Advent waiting um, cultivates contentment in us because we are yeah, looking forward to the gift of Jesus and not just consuming everything <laughs> as it comes every day. Finally, um, searching faith. Um, I think this is a, a stage where we, again, for our teenagers, need to help them to wrestle with uh, difficult emotions, um, You know, places where they feel like their faith comes into tension with um, the values of the world or things like that. And so I think in this stage, um, we need to actually help them to wrestle with their discontent and not just scold them for that, but actually help them to get at the root of what is causing their, their you know, insatiable desire for more things that they're, they're not going to get because our family doesn't do that, you know? Um, so how do we help them to wrestle with their disappointment at what's under the tree or, um, you know...
0: Yeah, I, I think that's that's really that's really helpful. I mean, um our, our family we we certainly had plenty uh we are certainly on the on the larger end of the economic scale uh in, in this country, but but we our our income was limited. And, you know, there are ways that you can kind of pitch this to a child of, you know, kind of, well, we can't afford that, and we can't do what Johnny does, you know, and so forth, and kind of, again, further inculcate a a discontentedness about one's lot in life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or you can make a family decision around, here are our traditions around gift giving. This is what we do, and we like it this way, and so on. And you're not pretending. You're actually yourself. You're dealing with your own discontent. To be grateful for what God has given to you and to use the resources that he's made available to you to be a blessing during this particular season of the year or at any time uh, during the year. That's, that's really important. Yeah. yeah,
1: One of the best little mantras that I've heard about gift-giving for families who are looking to keep things simple for Christmas or for birthdays um, is something you want, something you need, something to wear, and something to read.
0: Say that again. That, that's really yeah. great.
1: Something you want and something you need something to wear, and something to read. And That's when your great. kids understand that, then they, their expectations are set <laughs> appropriately, and that is a way to help That's cultivate great. contentment. That's really great.
0: Good. Well, uh, just to say, you know, I mean, uh, when we get to the owned stage, which we hope is uh, anybody listening to this podcast, you know, I think as we think about uh, contentment, Part of what we get to is we really come into a full life in Jesus is, uh, as he once said, it's not about you know receiving, it's about giving. And that we get into thinking about what does generativity look like? What does it mean for us to be people who are value-added people, people who have been blessed, as Abram was, mm-hmm. to be a blessing, that we're meant to be a blessing to the whole world. And so in order to deal with discontent and to be filled with contentment, That's when we begin to get, uh, as people developing an own faith, a sense of what is our purpose in life? What does God have us on the planet to do? And and normally it's to do something that he wishes to do, to bring blessing uh, to those who who are around us. And so as we help children to move into that stage of their life in Christ, uh, developing a sense of generativity, uh, also I have much... Uh, I, I've been given much, mm-hmm. and I therefore have much to give, rather than I don't get anything. And of course, I don't have I don't have nothing. So, uh, just in terms of in general uh, dealing with contentment, uh, I think that God has given us spiritual disciplines of celebration. Mm-hmm. As you read, particularly through through the uh, the Old Testament, you see these seasons and you see these celebrations that are being laid out in great detail for the people of Israel. And certainly uh, they were you know, quite detailed and proscriptive and can become occasions of just kind of legalism and, and sort of going through the motions. But particularly as Israel went into exile and went through its challenge that continues uh, for the uh, Jewish people today, these celebrations literally make life uh, uh, content. Uh, they, they, they add this uh, virtue of contentment, and they can be so for us. Uh, I think there's a sense in which Western culture may be celebration poor. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you go to other parts of the world that don't have anywhere near the wealth of a Western culture, they know how to celebrate. Mm -hmm. They know how to party in ways that are appropriate, not kind of, you know, in excess in a way that just blasts people's minds and hearts apart. And so for us in our families to develop disciplines of celebration. Things like the examen, which I'm sure we'll talk about later on, but this idea that at the end of each day, you look back on both what was good about the day, what was happy about the day, where did you sense the presence and value of God, and when did you yeah, feel it wasn't such a great day and you were grumpy, or uh, one family I know has uh, gratefuls and grumbles, you know, mm-hmm. something like that, where we're looking back at what we can be grateful for. Uh, once a week here in our house, we do a God hunt. Where did we see God at work over the past week? And, you know, try to help our children to, to sense the, the presence and the activity uh, of, uh, of God in their lives. Throwing parties for people, celebrating anniversaries, birthdays, things like that. If you will, any excuse to celebrate mm-hmm. is a great opportunity to adopt a spiritual discipline that inculcates uh, contentment in us. So, these are just some of our thoughts uh, that we've had uh, about uh, about uh, uh, the v- virtue of contentment and we'd love to continue the conversation. Do you have any further things you yeah, want to say? Yeah, I was just
1: thinking um, that we'd love to hear your ideas. Um, we'd love to hear in the Facebook group tell us how you work to cultivate contentment in your kids during December in your family life and culture. Love to hear the ages of your kids and any spiritual practices beyond December that you think about that might uh, be disciplines of celebration and ways that we can, um, yeah, help our kids to develop this virtue of uh, contentment. Or really, we're setting the table for the Holy Spirit to to produce that fruit in our kids.
0: Yeah, part of the deal with this thing is that we really do feel, and Hallie and I, again, as I said at the beginning, we, we really felt the benefit of being able to talk to other people. How do you handle, you know, Christmas? Mm. Uh, how do you deal with this, that, and the other? And these virtues will give us little fields of conversation about various kind of, uh, points, of points of contact and opportunity that we have uh, with our children. So we look forward to hearing what it is that you have by way of questions and what are things that you've learned. And we'll all have the opportunity mm. to benefit from that.
1: That's great. So now may the God of peace who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may he make you complete in everything good so that you may do his will, working among us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen.
0: So we'll see you next month in January 2020 when we'll look at the virtue of forgiveness in the People of the Way podcast. Now, we're a brand new podcast, so please tell others about it if you like it. And we'd love it if you take a moment to rate it. In the meantime, stop over to our Facebook group, People of the Way where you can continue the conversation more personally with us and with others. Bye-bye. Thanks so much.